This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. here the healthy scratch interview segment i'm noah grant uh, nick maxson is not joining us today he's probably doing drugs in a back alley somewhere i'm not particularly sure no he's he's working hard in the husky production studio in the broadcasting world and joining me is someone who knows quite a bit about that uh blake tyson uh from kbsc and a little bit of utvs on the side amongst other things uh blake uh, how are you doing today I'm doing great. Uh, we just got, we just chatted for like an hour long before we started recording this. We had, we had a great chat. So I, I'm, I'm doing really good. I mean, you, you know that, but the listeners, you know, nice for them to know I'm doing great today. Yeah. Happy to have you on here. I, so for the listeners, cause normally I, and this is, I, I don't say this offensively, but normally our listeners are a little more well-known, I would say, in the hockey world per se. Uh, but you do work in hockey and St. Louis State Hockey. In fact, uh, you know, you and I were actually colleagues together at um, KVSC, the local uh, student-run radio station at the university. Um, can you kind of fill in the listeners kind of, you know, what you do uh, this season as far as Huskies hockey is related? Yeah, well, first of all, my ego needed that check right there um, in terms of not being very well known. Um there's some friends of mine that will understand why my ego needed a check today. Um, so if they listen, if they're listening to this, Sam, Joey, you guys know why my need, my, why particularly today, my ego needed a check, but uh, no, um, I, I work at KVSC. I'm the sports director down there, which is the student station on campus for St. Cloud state 88.1 FM. Uh, like Noel mentioned, that's kind of how you and I uh, knew each other. That's where we first met. Um, so uh, over the last couple of years there, I've kind of been doing some stuff in the sports department, working my way up and, now I'm in like my 30th year of college. So um, I'm not quite as old as I'm not quite as old as Nick, though. So that's good. Um, <laughs> he's not here to defend himself. That was kind of a low blow. But um, I'm in my sixth year of college total. Um, and this year I'm doing I'm the lead uh, lead play by play guy and, and color guy for St. Cloud State men's hockey, um, along with uh, Jake Bedell, who's who's my partner as well. Um, so him and I both, you know, we split some of the play by play games, but we're covering every Husky hockey game this year. And I got to be a part of that last year as well with uh, with Drew Steele, who's down in uh, Corpus Christi in the NAHL right now with the ice rays. And yeah. you know, he's loving it down in Texas. So that's, <laughs> that's kind of my, uh, yeah, that is probably my, that's my primary function right now. Um, and you know, I mix in as well in all other sorts of, of sports and things like that, but obviously this is a hockey podcast. That's kind of my, my <laughs> hockey, my, what I do for, for hockey in terms of work right now. Yeah. I, and I mean, it's been well-earned. Of course, you mentioned uh, Jake Bedell, who came in a little bit after I was Jake's done a fantastic job, although he's a blues fan. So that's questionable. Yeah. At best. It's tough. Tough. But he's uh, from St. Louis, so it's understandable. Yeah, I guess. so is Drew so Steele also Drew Steel. a Blues fan. Yep. Yeah, question marks there. I, I that dude would not. Of course, when I was there, he would not shut up about the Blues winning a Stanley Cup. But I suppose when yeah. you wait since 1967, I suppose you got a case to finally celebrate. Yeah, yeah. Um, Minnesota Wild just kind of hoping that they're <laughs> right. Yeah, just <laughs> hoping to just hoping to continue <laughs> to make the playoffs and maybe win a round. I think that's that's progress for the Wild. Yeah, I would say we're the American version of the Toronto Maple Leafs minus the star mm -hmm. power. So, I mean, it's Yeah, fine. really. It really <laughs> is. It's like the same exact thing, not to put it that way, which makes it more depressing for me. Yeah. Um, you know, actually, when we kind of first met, I know that, you know, I met you the first day that I had gone in there. And, you know, they said you were a hockey guy and stuff. And uh, we actually had a lot of fun. We've called a couple of women's hockey games together. Yep. And one of my favorite memories that we kind of discussed off air is uh, – um, for those who don't know the equipment, which is called a Comrex, um, there's actually a switch on the back of it that you can actually switch into um, like the different streams 
for like KVSC essentially. Um, yeah. And it turned out that one game, someone had flipped the switch on us and we didn't know that it had been flipped and we couldn't hear each other on the broadcast. So it was, you would be broadcasting the game and the listeners on like the radio side could hear it just fine. But you and I, all we heard in our headphones was music. <laughs> yeah. We had no idea what, what each other were saying. I, I remember like tossing things to you being like this, this, and this, what, what do you think? And you were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like, I would just like, please just respond with something kind of yeah. in that right context of what I just tossed you. Cause I didn't know if you heard what I just said or not. Yeah. But I think we, after a period, somebody uh, came over, helped us out. Colin Rakowski, you also worked I can't yeah. see at the time came over and was like, Hey, this is your problem. And we we're like, well, why would anybody ever flip that switch flip the other yeah. way? Why, why would you ever touch it? And I still, to this day, do not understand why anybody <laughs> would flip the switch into like that other setting. Like there's no reason yeah. for ever, but we, we made it through that period. And uh, yeah, I was, that was a, it was a rough 20 minutes of hockey for sure. Yeah, I'm glad it was only the first period too, but I mean, it was literally the lines of, I mean, you would say something like, yeah, you know, it was a great four check. What'd you think on that one? And I'd be like, well, you know, the power plays look good and we've got a great crowd in here today. And it's like, the listener was probably like, what did I just tune into? But uh, listener probably thinks you were doing drugs with Maxon. <laughs> yeah. Nick Max and I actually met at a hockey game. It was a romance really? romance from the start. Yeah. It was a good nice. time. It's good um, to know. Yeah, but we, we haven't done drugs together yet. Um, we don't yet. We don't we don't condone drugs. The only drug that we talk about is hockey on this podcast. Truly, yes. So that's that's what we've been smoking for the last twenty months, if you will. Um, you know, kind of talking about broadcasting, though, Blake. Um, you know, what got you into broadcasting, and where I was going to go with this is, you didn't jump into the men's hockey and Saint Cloud State men's hockey. You kind of earned it with a lot of high school hockey coverage throughout your first couple of years at KVSC. Um, of course, you were a former high school hockey player, and of course, we had to pull up the stats, Blake. I got to be honest oh, with you. No, they were tough. They're not. There's not a lot. There's they not a lot. Tough. This is Saint third and fourth line grind for me. Team was good. Saint Cloud Apollo, 2012 through 2016, 81 games played, two goals, three assists, five points. Um, but I got to be honest. Pretty impressive stat here. Like I said, two goals, shots on goal listed. I got two shots on goal for 100%, 100% shooting percentage. So I don't know if that stat's accurate, but I'll, I'll pretend <laughs> that it is. I can tell you, I know that the games played stat is not accurate because I dressed, I, I probably played like about 50 games in my career. I, w- I would guess <laughs> I didn't play. I would bet that if you look at my freshman and sophomore year, that there's games listed on there that I played in that I did not play in. Um, so <laughs> my numbers are not that bad. It's probably right between 40 and 50 games played with like what, five career points, but Hey, I'll take it. I didn't get a lot of ice time, but um, you know, our, our team won a lot of games. We were pretty good. St. Cloud Apollo in those days. So uh, I think my senior year, we were like 20, 22, two and one or something like that. So, Hey, we won some games, went to a couple state tournaments. I was just a role player, understood my role, which was to stay on the bench. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I did my thing and the other guys that are meant to score, they, they did their goal scoring. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, kind of speaking of the hockey world, of course, still curious about how your time has gone at KVSC, but your hockey journey uh, actually kind of started with a particular St. Cloud State hockey player that you've known actually since you were a kid. Can you kind of fill us in on that one? Yeah. So I actually just told you about that before, before we started recording today. So it was kind of a kind of cool story. So um, my parents had me when they're, when they were relatively young, when they were still in college. And so, uh, my mom in, in particular was friends with a couple of guys that played on the St. Cloud State men's hockey team back in the early two thousands, Nate D. Casmiro, uh, being, being one of them, actually, I think she kind of knew Jeff finger as well. I know that's a name that will, <laughs> that will, that, yep, that, that's a name that'll rather some rattle some feathers in, in your fan base for sure. Um, in your listenership, but, uh, no, Nate D. Casmiro is the one that we were talking about. Um, yeah, I, my memories of Nate are very, you know, very minimal. Um, I was a little kid, but like my family's still good friends with him. My, my mom was invited to his wedding. Um, and you know, my, I know my family still keeps in touch with him pretty well. So that's, I mean, he, I'm pretty sure he was part of the reason him along with my dad and some of those guys in those teams in the early two thousands were part of the people that like taught me how to skate and play the game of hockey. I know you can find pictures of me like out on the, out on the Herb Brooks national hockey center ice with one of like the carts that you push around as yeah. like a two or three year old. So that's that's how I got started playing the game. Um, I know you brought you brought up getting into broadcasting. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of funny. Um, when I graduated high school, all I knew that I wanted to do was I wanted to stay in sports, um, and I didn't really know how I was going to go about doing that. So for a little bit there, I thought that I wanted to do like athletic training. Um, I thought I was <laughs> like I wanted to be like a trainer on the sidelines, and I thought that would be a lot of fun. Then I came to realize I'm really dumb. Um, I'm, I'm not the smartest. I I don't do well with like 
memorizing every bone and ligament in the body and random stuff like that. So I was like, that's not for me. What else can I do? And, um, uh, people always would, you know, I, I was always good with, with random stats. People like used to call me like ESPN as a joke when I was like 14 <laughs> years old. Cause I'd be like, well, this random stat that I just pulled out of my rear end. So yeah. I was like, maybe I should go into, you know, kind of consider broadcasting. And then, um, I spent a year at Bemidji state and, um, oddly enough, they did not have much of a broadcasting department there. And so I was like, all right, the transfer to St. Cloud state, which is where I'm, you know, my hometown and knew that they had a great broadcasting and it's like, okay, this is where I'm going to kind of get my, my foot in the door. And it's been a, been a wild couple of years. You mentioned, you know, my, my start, I, I kind of had to work my way up to doing men's hockey. Um, I kind of, I guess I was the one that pushed for KVSC to broadcast high school sports, um, particularly high school hockey. My old high school hockey coach, Pete Matnich reached out to me one year and was like, Hey, do you think that you guys could do this? I know this is what you want to go to school for. And I was like, Oh, like, let me see. And it took, it took a year to, to get legs underneath it. But finally one year, um, Jim Gray, who works with us down at KVSC, was like, "You do it, just do it, and we're we're gonna make it work." And so I did high school hockey for, geez, two years. Um, some women's yeah. games sprinkled in for St. Cloud State as well. And um, now, finally, last year, I spent a lot of time with Drew Steele and um, split split some games with him. And um, and he obviously he did our whole playoff run, which he did a fantastic job on. I mean, I go listen to his Nolan Walker highlight call all the time for the Mankato <laughs> game. It's pretty. Not that that was a big goal, right? Not that that was a big goal or anything, but Drew, you know, not that Drew did it, I think some pretty good justice as well. But uh, yeah, so, and then obviously this year I was kind of, you know, waited for my turn and now it's kind of my turn to, to be the guy. So it's, it's been, a, been a grind to get to this point for, for me and my broadcasting career, but um, lots of random uh, car rides up to like Fergus Falls and yeah. random places you don't really want to go to. But uh, no, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And, and you know, now I'm just kind of kind of happy to, to be beyond all of, all of that, the, the grinding part of it, not to say it isn't a grind anymore. obviously it still is, but yeah, you kind of reaping the rewards a little bit. And I know from personal experience, I think we did three games together and um, you know, I'm not just, I'm not just uh, buttering your bread here, but you call a very good hockey game. So for those who get a chance, 88.1 FM KBSC college and community radio, as one would say, there you go. Oh, and yeah. that boosted my ego right back up to where it was <laughs> before he told me that I wasn't really known. So we're good to go now for the day. <laughs> I still got it. I think I, yeah. um, you know, I always loved, uh, uh, kind of doing the news segment oddly enough and, uh, in studio was fun for hockey, but you know, it definitely, it feels better when you've earned it and you, you get to be in the rink. And especially now that we've got fans back in the building, it's exciting too. Before we get to some St. Cloud State hockey talk, I kind of wanted to ask one more thing too. Like you mentioned St. Cloud Apollo for you. Uh, the other, uh, the other school on the other side would be, um, uh, cathedral, and you're also next to a guy um, that calls a lot of uh, Minnesota high school hockey tournaments. And that would be Jim Erickson. Mm-hmm. Um, and sorry to say, I think cathedrals had a little bit better luck in the state tournament round recently, recently. Yeah. yeah. Um, let me just put it to you this way. I once walked through KVSC and heard Blake Tyson say um, ever so lovingly um, bleep cathedral. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. I, mean, I was I mean, young I- at the time and I was, <laughs> inexperienced i didn't know how to control my voice so people heard me say some probably unsavory things um in turn but my who am i kidding i still hate cathedral (laughs) Uh, nothing changes i mean it's it's too hard i i bleed red white and blue so I can see that, but, but I was kind of, kind of wondering, you know, especially cause you know, you've seen the high school hockey realm, you know, you grew up as a Minnesota kid, right? I, I'm from North Dakota. So my parents are Minnesotan. I've been to the high school state high school tournament five times. Of course I was there when uh, Tommy Novak did the bazooka at center ice. Um, I remember that iconic, very iconic. Also the play before that should have been called a penalty should have had a hook on it, but it's fine. It's whatever. Um, nonetheless, um, Hermantown feel for just a little bit, but uh, yeah. Um, how would you describe the state tournament to a non-Minnesotan? I skate with so many friends who they hear about the state tournament, but as someone who was a Minnesota high school hockey player, how do you, how would you describe the tournament to someone who doesn't know about the tournament? I, it's kind I mean, like you always hear like bigger than Texas high school football. I mean, like, I, I feel like, you know, when you're playing in it in particular, you're on that stage of, you know, just even being able to participate in it like it feels like it's you're on the top of the world. I mean, there's like nothing better than being able to participate in it. I, I mean, you hear NHL guys all the time still talk about like, that's, that's their best hockey memory. Like I, that's what it feels like. I mean, that arena, when you are down on the, it's massive. It is so gigantic. Like you do not realize when you're, you know, like I'm a college kid, I buy 200 level seats. When you're looking down and everything, it doesn't look as huge, but when you are on the ice, it is 
it's huge. It's, it's the experience is literally unlike anything else I've ever felt in my life. Um, I, you know, to try and like compare it to something in broadcasting or like a game that I've called, it's probably that Mankato game is like the closest like experience, like as from a, you know, fans broadcaster perspective. Yeah. Um, and, and then in and, terms and, of like, and, and think about that, what is that Mankato's building is what, like 4,800 people. So like, yeah, think about that. And then of course you had less people in the building for, you know, the national tournament last year as well too. Yep. So, I mean, it's, 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 it really is crazy. And then, you know, as a fan too, like, you know, I mean, even outside of playing in it, I mean, I still went every year, you know, I mean, you still, you still go and watch and like, it is crazy. I mean, you will never see kids like give their heart for anything else, especially like, you mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about all these great players and like, yeah, I watched this guy play in the state tournament before he went and played college or in the NHL. Like you watch this, the average third line, you know, guy, second line forward that's out there, or a third pair defenseman, or, you know, most of those goalies don't go anywhere. Like those guys, that is the, the peak of their career. So watching like guys like that is just, yeah, that they're, they're, they're going to give everything they have. So it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. And I mean, the mini donuts too, like, you just like the whole experience of yeah. being at that, at the XL that time of year, it's, it's a great time. It's a great yeah. time. And let's not forget the all hair team too. I mean, you got it. Yeah. Yep. Honorable <laughs> mention, by the way, honorable mention. I was an honorable mention for my beard, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I was an honorable mention for that. So that's a uh, accolade. Just, just add it to the list. Just shock right? it up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, kind of some of the NHL guys. I was, of course, it, you know, I, a lot of our listeners know this, but I was a Golden Gopher fan growing up. And one of the most iconic games that I've ever watched um, in Golden Gopher history, I actually just watched it the other day, was uh, the 2007 WCHA Final Five between North Dakota and Minnesota. Blake Wheeler's diving goal. I mean, besides the diving goal, one of the best hockey games I've ever watched, just yeah. down. And, uh, um, I read an article and they asked Blake Wheeler, they said, you know, you've gotten to the NHL, you played for the Jets for this long, you know, what is the most iconic moment for you? And I was, I was almost sure it was going to be like, you know, playing in the NHL or, you know, that diving goal in front of, you know, a packed house, the XL, he said, no, it was, it was the first goal of trying to make a state tournament and trying to get to that point as a high school hockey mm-hmm. player. He goes, that still sticks out in my mind as being, you know, th- the first, the first tier for me and the most memorable, um, Again, like I said, we're going to get to some St. Cloud hockey, but I guess I, I have another thing along the lines. Do you have, you know, like with Blake Wheeler, do you have a favorite player growing up? Do you have kind of a favorite hockey moment growing up that kind of sticks out in your mind? So favorite player for me is Danny Heatley. Oh, um, okay. I just, I lied. fifteen oh seven. I mean, that like stuck with me for a really yeah. long time. Um, I actually have a Danny Heatley Atlanta Thrashers jersey. Um, well, I have the, I have the jersey from that era. I, I got it about a, about a year ago. And I need to get somebody, I need to find somewhere where I can go and get it sent in to get Heatley and the number 15 stitched onto the back of it. So right. if anybody knows anybody in that type of business, I don't know what, I don't even know what to look up for that. But if anybody knows anybody, I'm still <laughs> looking to get that done. So Danny Heatley is my favorite player growing up. Um, but um, I don't know in terms of like favorite memories or moments from high school. I mean, like getting to go to the state tournament, like that was just awesome. I think probably we, we beat cathedral to go to state. So I think that was pretty darn cool. Like I think it was like four to two or four to three or something like that, but that was, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and then right before we get to some Huskies talk, uh, maybe kind of along that lines in broadcasting or just as a casual fan, is there a particular moment in like, you know, Huskies history, Minnesota wild history, a game that you've watched that maybe stands out. I know for a lot of Minnesota wild fans, maybe the Nino Niederreiter, you know, shot is maybe a game, or of course, for those in Nick Maxson's era, the Andrew Brunette uh, thriller over Patrick wall in 2003, is there a particular game maybe at the high school state tournament that, you know, maybe stands out as kind of being one above the rest or not really? Um, well, in terms of like um, watching a game, for St. Cloud State, like I think my the favorite game I watched was the St. Cloud State game against Mankato last year in the Frozen yeah. Four. Like that was just that was nuts. I didn't expect a five to four. I don't think anybody expected a five to four hockey game. I mean, Dryden yeah. McKay was the best goaltender in the country, and the Huskies. I mean, yeah, Huskies put the, the fuck in the back of the net. But yeah, it was like we scored three goals, and like Will Hammer's like Will Hammer's not a sniper. I mean, you don't beat Dryden McKay clean to begin with, and you get Will Hammer beating McKay clean off the half wall. It's like what is going nothing is going the way it should in this game right now. And, uh, and, and sure enough, like the game winning goal is like the one way you should be able to beat McKay, like a beautiful tip in off a shot from the point. Yeah. Um, so like as a, as a spectator, a broadcaster, that's probably the, the, my favorite one. And um, 
and, and for my playing days too, that when we went to state uh, in high school, my junior year, we won in overtime uh, and I won to nothing hockey game. So that was like, yeah. and again, I was on the bench. So uh, <laughs> I got to watch it firsthand, like 30 <laughs> feet away from me. So that was really cool too. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting. And then I think if I'm not mistaken, that Mankato game, the fourth goal, I think was Joey Molinar, was it not? Yeah, um, yeah. That buried that that goal too. So well, let's talk about the Huskies, shall we? Joey Molinar, of course, having a good start to his season. Mankato was in the mix, a nice split for the Huskies uh, down in Mankato. Dryden McKay doing Dryden McKay things on Friday yep. night and the Huskies clawing back to a three to one victory, a little more dominant on Saturday. And of course, we all know how St. Thomas went uh, a good start for the Huskies as well too. Um, you know, up to this point, of course, you've gotten to watch this team. You know, what has kind of stood out to you through the first four hockey games? Uh, you know, obviously, we like to compare the team back to the team in April, but as we know, it's a new slate. What have you seen from this group that you've liked so far? I think up front, they're deeper than they were a year ago, which is which is kind of weird because there wasn't a lot of change. But, like, I think Mason Salquist is yeah. going to be a heck of a player for this hockey team. I yeah. mean, he plays such a good 200-foot game. He plays so well in his own defensive zone, but like he's not afraid to go to the net. I mean, that's how he scored, right? Against Mankato. I mean, he got a rebound out in front of the net. He's got some skill. I it's weird to say, but like when when Henches went down on Friday, um, I, and I was kind of talking on the way back with with Jake Bedell, um, because we drove back to St. Cloud in between games. I was like, I I don't think they're gonna miss a ton by just putting Salquist in and shuffling the lines around. And I, that's not a slight to Sam. I just really like Mason's game. And like to have a guy like that, who's probably going to be a scratch for like half the games this year or Aiden Spelsey, who's like a, you know, a very good fourth line player. I think, I think their, their depth up front is, is really remarkably, um, really remarkable to me. Um, and then another thing I kind of noticed this weekend was, especially this past weekend is they can flip the switch on at any given yeah. point, like no team I've seen. Yeah, they did. They weren't able to hit the switch on Friday night, but like just the complete like forget what happened on Friday and come out on Saturday and just like, I, frankly, I think they played bad on Friday. I, yeah. I do. Um, and I, I think I, a lot of Huskies fans would say that it wasn't the performance yeah. that they were hoping. And you know, especially when you hold the best team in the country to one goal, you're hoping that yeah, you come out on top there. Yeah, like I think on Friday, I think they were I think they were bad in every area of the game. Like the fact that that was a one to nothing hockey game. Like we kept saying on our broadcast on KVC, like it's still a one shot game. And I thought they had no business the way that like they, they weren't able to forecheck. They weren't able to get their cycle game going. They played so terribly in the offensive end. I thought the blue line was poor on Friday night. Like I had no problem mincing words about it on the broadcast either. I had no problem saying like, I did not think that they played well and they came out on, on Saturday and did the exact opposite of what they did on, <laughs> on Friday night. Like and they were winning races, the Fox, they were getting the cycle game going. They were good on the forecheck, the defense, you know, the, the back end was, was moving pucks while they're breaking out clean. And I was just like, how did you go like from, from, you know, point A to point B in less than, you know, 24 hours later. And you, you, you look like, you know, the number one team in the country. And so I, I think that's kind of one thing that sticks out with me is, and they were able to do that last year at times, like in the middle of games, but uh, I think Mankato's probably a team where you can't come out as flat, I think, as they did on Friday and be able to flip the switch and figure it out. But like to be able to turn around the next day, it, you know, in their, in their, in their barn too, to be able to yeah. do that, I think was very impressive. So I think they've got, you know, as long as they can keep it together and bring that intensity. And I think Friday was a tough spot for them too, coming off of playing St. Thomas and like Mankato just played UMass, like yeah. defending national champions the night before. <laughs> I, I honestly kind of expected us to lose that game. Um, and so that didn't surprise me a ton, but I think their response, like that's like the one thing with this team is that's in, incredibly impressive is the way that throughout, you know, last season and now early on this season that they've been able to do is, is just turn it around kind of like that. Yeah. And you had kind of talked about a guy too. I mean, as you mentioned, losing Will Hammer and Jared Cockrell to kind of, uh, I don't want to say cornerstone pieces, but for lack of a better term, they were in that bottom six yeah. um, and two veteran pieces at that. And you bring in a senior, senior from Robert Mortis and uh, Aiden Spellacy. And if I'm not mistaken, as you say that uh, you got a chance to talk to him uh, very recently. I mean, what, what have your impressions been of him and kind of, you know, Brett Larson had spoke to us and said he was a guy brought in for a very specific purpose to be a guy down the middle in, in that fourth line. Yeah, I just got stuck to to Aiden this morning. Him and Seamus Donahue, um, and with Aiden, I mean, he, I think he brings a lot of what Will Hammer brings, and I think maybe a little bit, a little bit more skill too. I think Will had Will had skill. I mean, you look at how he played throughout every level of his career. I think the points just kind of didn't happen in college because he wasn't needed for that. Right. I think the same will kind of hold true for Aiden this year. But 
he is he's so good. He's so tenacious on the puck. I mean, he does a lot of good things really well. And a smaller size, I think he's only like five foot ten or five foot eleven, but he does he does a lot of things really well. Um, especially in the defensive end. And you saw how well I think he played, especially on Saturday uh, with 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 Salquist and with Molinar, those two guys able to get, those are kind of guys that can get up and down the ice pretty quickly. And so I think if he does a good job in his own end and can get the pucks to those guys and you know, I don't want to say get out of the way, but you know, let those guys do what they're also really good at, which is, you know, playing with a little bit of skill. I, I think he's poised for a really good season. And like you mentioned, you don't really, you don't really think um, that like Will Hammer and Jared Cockrell, like cornerstone pieces, like, you know, in terms of being like your grade A guys, but like really good penalty killers, what Will Hammer was. I think Aiden Spelsey is the same thing. Defensive zone draw, same type of thing. Like you can trust him anywhere on the ice in any situation of the game. And I think he'll, he'll produce for you. Speaking of trust before we preview this upcoming weekend here, um, uh, another guy that uh, we've grown to trust slowly but steadily over the course of the finish of last season and now through the start of this year, that's David Rennick back for his fifth year in LA Kings draft pick, um, kind of hopefully looking in the form that we've hopefully wanted to have accustomed uh, for some time now. What have your thoughts been on David Rennick and uh, is the stealing still even still even higher for him yet yet to go this season? I mean, I would say right now, I mean, if you, if you have a goals against average under a 1.0 and like almost a 950 save percentage, I don't know if the ceiling can get, can get much <laughs> higher, but like in terms of maybe him returning to like the numbers he had his freshman season, as opposed to the last, you know, his freshman, sophomore year were really good. I think he had like a 918 and like, you know, the goals against average right around a two, like if you can get back to that, which I think he certainly has, the Huskies are poised to be in a really good spot. Cause I mean, last season, like Rennick was good. But in games when Rennick was bad, it was bad. And like, that's kind of been like, it's kind of been his MO, um, you know, over the last few years is like, he's really good when they win. But when they lose, I, I forget what it was. Mick Hatton had put something out about his save percentage and like losses was like an 840 or an 830 or something like yeah, that. Oof. And the goals of against average over a four, but like in wins, it's like a 925 and like a two goals against average. Like if you get like that type of David Rennick every night, yeah, this it's going to be hard to beat this hockey team, especially. I mean, they could put the puck in the back of the net, but he's he's looked really calm this year. I was really impressed because he didn't get challenged a lot against St. Thomas. I mean, they, I think they mustered like 30 shots over the weekend as a whole. So I was kind of worried against Mankato, especially against their top line with Nathan Smith and Provnick and Cade Borchert. Like, I thought those guys were going to haul all weekend, and they, they kind of did, but he, I mean, he did really well against them. I mean, the, I think it was the save he made on on Nathan Smith where like, yeah. you got a stick on it and it was like a yawning net. And like, when you see him make saves like that, you know, it's going to, you know, you know, for that night, it's going to be a good night. That's for sure. Um, but hopefully he can bring that the rest of the season. I mean, he's started out four really, really good games. So if he can bring that this weekend against Minnesota too, it's, it's going to be tough for the Gophers to, to beat the Huskies. Yeah. We always talk about, you know, with goaltenders, you want them to make all the saves they should, and then make that one save they shouldn't. And I think mm -hmm. that's exactly what you're talking about is, you know, kind of, kind of that diving roomness. It makes me think every time I think of that phrase, I think of the, the Alex Tuck hashtag sadness for wild fans, but that the Alex Tuck uh, stopped there with Braden Holtby in the cup final a couple of years ago, laying yep. out a pad like that. I mean, it's just one of those saves where it's like the hockey gods are smiling on you in that moment, you know, just because of the way that you're playing. Uh, as we kind of look ahead to uh, the Minnesota Golden Gophers coming to town um, and by coming to town, I mean, home and home, the Huskies will be yeah. of course at 3M arena on Friday. And then they'll be back here at the Herberg National Hockey Center where those sweet retro jerseys oh, on Saturday. Oh, they're beautiful, aren't they? Um, and then, of course, they'll be auctioned off. Uh, Minnesota coming off of a, a sweep against Mercyhurst, but a, but a hard-fought one. Um, you know what Minnesota does, you know, well they do really well. But what Minnesota struggles with, uh, some glaring holes. But uh, look for number eighty-nine in a uh, Minnesota sweater. He's a, he's a pretty good little freshman. What is your anticipation of this series coming up against Minnesota? Um, and, and what do you expect? Well, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a hard fought series, right? I mean, it's St. Cloud State, Minnesota. I don't think anyone's going to come out and, and lay an egg and play poorly. I think that's, that'd be ridiculous. I think if, if we saw that happen, I would be, I'd be shocked, but. And we hope um, it's Minnesota if it does. Right? Yeah. If, if it happens, we hopefully it's the Gophers, <laughs> right? Um, but no, I, I mean, you mentioned it like they didn't have a great weekend. I mean, they swept Mercyhurst, but like they swept Mercyhurst, you know, I mean, the Husky yeah. swept St. Thomas. Okay. You know, I mean, Mercyhurst is better than St. Thomas, but right. I mean, they were trailing on Sunday both against games. they had to, they yeah, had to come back. Games. I have yeah. both games actually. So, I mean, you know, seven to four and five to three were their finals. I mean, mm -hmm. yep. that's not that great. And you know, LaFontaine didn't look that great between the fives. I mean, and I mean, he made a, he made a couple of really good saves on like, he made a couple of saves on breakaways. I think on Saturday night that it was like, okay, those are good saves. And like, that's why he's, 
one of the best goaltenders in the country. That's too, why he but, won the won the Richter Blake. Yeah, he won the Richter Award. But like, <laughs> also at the same time, like, okay, you got to think about it. He he saw, I think on Saturday night, saw like four or five two on ones against Mercyhurst. Like, if you give up four or five two on ones against St. Cloud State, who's probably going to you know a better team and might force your hand into coughing up even more two on ones or breakaways, yeah. you have a long night. I, like, I, I watched back the the broadcast their game and the pregame. The guys were talking about. Oh, their back end for the Gophers is going to be really key. And I was, you know, no how great they are. And I didn't think they played that good. I think you can expose them in their defensive end. They're going to want to, they want to get up and down the ice and score. I mean, they, they want to yeah. go fast. And I think they can play to that game. But I think if the Huskies can slow down Minnesota, I mean, I, I think it plays this weekend plays so much more into the Husky style than it does Minnesota's style with the, with the up and down, because I don't think the Gophers can, can play a slow grinding game. I, I don't like, I don't, I don't see. I mean, they've got a couple of guys that are bigger. I mean, they're, they're a big team, but like they've got skill and they've got speed up and down the lineup. That's what, you know, I mean, they're one of the better recruiting teams in the country, but that's what happens when you got a bunch of 19, 20 year olds on your team too. Yeah. They want to get up and down the ice and score. They haven't been through the grit and the grind and the Huskies are one of the older teams in the country. And I think that, you know, if St. Cloud state has to get into a track meet. Okay. I think they can do that. If the Gophers have to get into a slow playing game, I don't think they can. So I think, it favors the Huskies in terms of that. Now, if they get into a, into, into a shootout, you know, I think it's probably 50, 50 toss up. I might even give the edge to the Gophers, but that's if that's, if the game plays into, into Minnesota's hands all night long this weekend. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't think that it will. And I was not impressed with them this weekend against Mercyhurst watching things back. I mean, they're really good off the rush. Like I said, they're up and down the ice, but they leave a lot to be desired in their back end. And those forwards will turn pucks over. Their D will turn pucks over. They're horrible, in my opinion, below the, goal, <laughs> below the goal line in their own end, really bad. And that's where St. Cloud State feasts, right? Like the cycle game and on that big sheet of ice, like I think St. Cloud State has got a really good chance to, to sweep the number four team in the country. I was frankly still surprised to see them as the number four team in the country. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of an interesting series. I can't remember. I don't think the change has been made yet. If I'm not mistaken, it's still two Olympic sheets that we're going to be on yeah. this weekend too, which a lot of open ice. And, you know, when is the last time in college hockey that we've seen a home and home with two Olympic sheets? I feel like it's got to be quite a while, to be honest can't with even, you. Can't even think of other rinks. I mean, I know yeah. these are the two that I can think of that have an Olympic sheet. I want to say like Colorado College maybe did. I don't know. Yeah, the maybe old, not. The old, their um, old arena. Broadmoor or whatever it was. Yeah, but Broadmoor. But nonetheless, I um, like I said, I was watching the 07 WCHA Final Five. And, and of course, this is a matchup, you know, kind of starting the trend. We had Mankato. We're going to have Minnesota, then Wisconsin. And then, of course, you're going to have Bemidji State, you know, at the tail end of kind of December there. Uh, but we're getting some old WCHA rivalries back here. You know, do, do you have any uh, recollection and memories of the old WCHA? Obviously, were you sad to see it go? Um, or do you kind of feel like, you know, we're, we're finally past that point and we're in the new NCHC and we, we all have to get over it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. I, I think it's very easy to look at the big 10 and be like, Oh, that really, really broke up a lot. Of, you know, I mean the WCHA, like I think, it, you know, people like, like to say the big 10 ruined college hockey. I don't know. I mean, it broke up the WCHA, which was a, a great conference. It, I mean, probably the, it was the best conference in college hockey, but I mean, it also helped grow the game a lot too. I mean, Penn state's got a program now. Yeah. I don't think they have a program. If, you know, I mean, you look at Ohio state added a program, right? So yeah. I, you know, I mean, it sucks. I mean, it does. It'd be fun to watch St. Cloud state and the Gophers and North Dakota and Wisconsin, Bemidji state and Mankato. I'll, I'll beat up on each other all season long, but also I think it's been fun over the last couple of years of my life, like getting to watch other teams in the country, you know, and getting to, getting to watch other teams that are not, that are in the NCHC now. So um, in terms of, what was the beginning part of the question again? That was, well, well, I think the piece that it goes back to, and and I like your answer because Again, like I said, going back and I watched that, uh, you know, that game from 2007 is actually on St. Patrick's Day. What a great day to have a WCHA Final Five between Minnesota and North Dakota. I mean, that's just, I mean, what yeah. more could you ask for some good college hockey viewing? Um, but it almost like adds to the aura of like this time that I think it, it almost looks even more perfect through rose colored glasses because it ended the way that it did, that we didn't have this transition where the old WCHA um, kind of fizzled out like, the new WCHA fizzled mm-hmm. out last year in a sense, if you, if you yep. will. Um, so I, I think that that's an important piece, I guess, like if, if I was able to transition a little bit, I'm kind of curious, we've got six division one schools now. And of course now they're spread out uh, amongst a couple of conference and independents here. Um, 
you know, Minnesota, Duluth, Bemidji, St. Thomas, St. Cloud, and then of course, Mankato. Uh, Pat Micheletti likes to do this every week. So I'm kind of curious on your take uh, right now, uh, coming into this weekend, how would you rank uh, the six teams from Minnesota and college hockey uh, compared against each other. Let's start from uh, the back end. Let's start with number six and work our way. Well, number six. I mean, it's okay. I hate to do it, but I think it's pretty easy. It's St. <laughs> yeah. Thomas. I mean, you're a new program. That's, that's, it's no disrespect. And they haven't won a game. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, you're in, you're in a tough spot. And then it's like, it's really crazy because like the next five, it's, I mean, they're tight, right? Like, I mean, yeah. I think Bemidji State is like the number five. You know, I think they're fifth. I, I would put Bemidji State fifth, but they're still ranked like 15th in the country. So <laughs> it's like, Not oh, bad. I'm really putting Bemidji State as the fifth worst program in the state. But yeah, yeah in, in reality, they're really good. Um, <laughs> and then I think Duluth, um, I put Duluth at number four. So that's, that's kind of the back half. Um, those two just played each other this weekend too, didn't they? Duluth yeah, and Duluth, State. Duluth earned uh, earned the sweep. It was a very yeah. tightly contested weekend. I think there were one goal games both nights or yeah. or something like that. So um, that's, that's... So, so yeah, I, I'm curious. And a lot of people have done this. So, so you've got Duluth behind Minnesota, and you know it's funny. People are still giving Minnesota the benefit of the doubt. I'm curious to see kind of where Minnesota. I'm assuming you have them. I'm thinking at number three here. I do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I do. I, and it's funny you say that because I did put some thought into having Minnesota at, at number, at number four. Um, Cause I, like I said, I was not impressed that they swept Mercyhurst, you know, and trailed in both games. But, Better than the alternative for them. I yeah. Suppose, well, but... I guess, which is losing. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> but then I also looked at it and was like, can I put Duluth ahead of them when Duluth, barely squeaked by Bemidji and I've got Bemidji as my clear cut number five. So yeah. that's, that's kind of where that came down. I think it's kind of like a three, a three B with, with Minnesota and with, um, with Duluth, but I'd put Minnesota at number three, even though I'm not entirely impressed with them. Um, I, you know, I don't think they're the number four. I don't think they're the fourth best team in the country. Yeah. I mean, maybe they are, and it's just that top heavy right now, but, <laughs> and we're I, about to find it out this week. Yeah. And we're about to, we're about to find out this yeah. weekend. Um, <laughs> and then I, I, I really, I would put Mankato at number two. Um, I just because of the fact that like, they only like St. Cloud state, I think, like I said, played poorly, I think on Friday night, but I still think the only reason they won that game is because tried McKay. Like I was not impressed with Mankato offensively and their offense is not what they're known for. I mean, we know they're trying to shut teams down and win two to one hockey games, but, yeah. um, I just wasn't that impressed. Like I, I mean, I, th- I, st- I think they're headed, like, I think they're closer to St. Cloud state's level, but I don't think like, I think they're almost on the same level for that matter, but yeah. Um, it's kind I, of an it's kind of an interesting discussion how it's like yeah Mankato might not be on their level and we're really talking about two top five teams in the country. yeah right you know what I mean like like <laughs> in reality like they're if you play these teams together ten times a season it's probably a five and five series yeah. split but like and, I do and, think and four of the games are in overtime right right yeah exa- exactly <laughs> like but I I do think I do think the Huskies are slightly better just because. I didn't see a dominant effort from Mankato on Friday. And I think I saw a dominant effort from the Huskies on Saturday night. So that's why I put St. Cloud state number one and Mankato number two. Now, obviously both the polls disagree with me. Um, so that's, that's disappointing. I disagree but, uh, with you too, just for fun. I not because yeah, I have a reason, but I just want why, to. why not have some contentious, right. Contentious topics. Um, but yeah, so I'd go St. Cloud state one, Mankato two, Minnesota three, Duluth four, Bemidji state five and St. Thomas number six. All right. All right. I got a couple of Minnesota wild questions and one random question for you, but my final SCSU question, um, you know, you kind of talked about some guys that have stood out so far. We touched on some guys who is one guy in this lineup that you feel for St. Cloud needs to have a great year that needs to kind of take that next step, kind of, you know, get to that next level. Um, you're, I, I'm trying to buy you some time so you can think about uh, a player on this roster here, you know, and a couple of guys, I know we've talked about Sam Henches, of course, coming into his senior year, you know, Micah Miller is another guy on that list, but is there one guy in particular that, you know, you kind of think if we have a big year from this guy, we could be in for something special. David Rennick. Okay. I, I, I mean, it's the consistency, right? I, yeah. I think, I think that like, we talked about that. Like when he's bad, it's not, it's, it's bad, but when he's good, it's really good. Like if he takes that step and comes out and every night gives you a nine fifteen, and you know, however many goals he gives up, you know, on a nine fifteen save yeah. percentage keeps, is what it is. You under three goals a game or something. Yeah. If yeah. he comes out and does that, like, I don't think, I don't see many losses for this team. Um, I, I feel like it's kind of an easy answer though. I feel, I feel like it's cop out. I, 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 uh, well, Brett Larson clearly needs to be better on the bench, right? I yeah, mean. Brett's got to be better. He's 
I'll, I'll, hand, I'll tell him that before the game on Friday night, too. He's got to be better. Yeah, the hair um, game is really struggling. I don't know what the yeah, hell is he's there. He's got to get but... some Rogaine or something. I would also say, though, like, if I, if I steer away from Rennick, any of, like, the number six defensemen on the team, how about okay. that? Like, whether it's whether it's Zemer, Jaycox, Trey Ball, Brandon Bushy, yeah. Brandon Bushy, like anybody that like kind of filters in on that bottom pair can take how, a big. How step. did how did you feel? Uh, you know, I kind of cut you off there, but how did you feel about Jack Peart? I know that it kind of like he had a little bit of growing pains this weekend. I thought. Yeah, I I he's 18 years old, maybe, maybe yeah. he's 19, playing against 20. Like this weekend in particular, two of the older teams in the country <laughs> playing against 23, 24, 25 year olds. So like, I thought Jack played all right. I. I think it left some to be desired. And I don't know. I, I got to watch him a couple of times at some open practices over the summer. And, and I was texting back and forth with Drew. I was like, Jack, you know, I mean, maybe my expectations were just high because he was a second round draft pick. And like, I thought he'd come in and light it up. And, and Drew was one was kind of like, well, remember he's playing against 24 year olds. Like he's six years younger than these guys, like on the physical maturity level, he's, you know, I mean, he's not as big as these guys. He's, he's, he's a great and like smart wise, intelligently might be one of the better players in the ice in terms of like thinking the game. But I think the pace of the game is, is maybe a bit, I wouldn't say fast, but like, I think he's just got to catch up a little bit, but I, I think like by the end of the year, he's another name I was thinking about saying too, for this question, but um, he, I think by the end of the year, if you can get him steady, like yeah. steady Eddie, him and him and Nick Burbix. I, I think that could be a really good, good pairing. Cause he's, he's only going to grow. Like, I mean, he's, yeah, I think he's really good offensively. We saw, if you watch any of his game at grand Rapids or in the USHL, like he can run the power play. He yeah. can, I mean, he's a great, makes a great first pass out of the, out of his own end. Like if, if he just continues to get better, adjust to the pace of the game a little bit and gets more comfortable, you know, it, I think his, the sky is the limit for him. I mean, if the Huskies are lucky enough to have him stick around for two or three years. I, mean, I think he probably stays two years. If they can get him for a third year, I mean, he's going to be a really good hockey player. Yeah, and of course, again, like we talked about, not to mention they played one of the best teams in the country too. You know, it's not like they were, you know, again, playing Mercyhurst. I mean, he yeah, had a, yeah. a challenge. Uh, you also talked to Seamus Donahue this morning too, and we had kind of um, had Seamus on a couple of weeks ago with Nick Perbix, and, and he had kind of mentioned the same thing where, you know, it's different compared to juniors when you have a forward who's 6'4", 220 pounds bearing down on you. And it's like, you have to find a way to make a play. And, and, you know, you're a young guy who's maybe not the biggest guy, you know, trying to adjust to that pace. It's uh, it's not an easy task, uh, so to speak. Flipping over to some Minnesota Wild things. Uh, I got four questions left for you, Blake. So uh, thanks so much for joining us. I know yeah. that you're, you're looking forward to some dinner, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, uh, or, so or, or almost su- dinner time or supper, however they say it in the Midwest. Oh, I know it's it, dinner. This is dinner. This, this is dinner. <laughs> like, this is funny. I got into my girlfriend yesterday because she said Reese's and I almost I was like, ah, if you were one of my friends right now, like I would have smacked you. I was so if mad. I, if, if I actually liked you, we would have a problem. Yeah, I was like, God, I was like, you make me want to move out right now. Like I Reese's. Are you kidding me? I hope you don't say Reese's. Uh, Noah, do you, do you say Reese's? I don't, do I don't, Reese's? I don't really eat, eat them in general. So I kind of Good. steer away from it. So I, I'm just Good. one of those guys. I'm just a, a total a-hole if you will. Yeah. Right. I was like, but, I can't, I can't, I, I really looked at her. I was like, I was mad. I was like, what'd you just say? And she just looked at me and she goes, I, I swear to God, I bounced back and forth between the two. I'm like, no, no, you, you got to pick one. Like this, this is the fate of our relationship is standing on this. You're like, get out, get out. Yeah. yeah. You walk. Like, down you don't street. get out. I'm getting out. So like somebody's <laughs> leaving tonight. You walk down the street and you think about what you did. Yeah. You come back, you come back in an hour after you think about it. So speaking about um, things that done get did, um, or so to speak, in the Minnesota Wild World, Kirill Kaprizov, uh, the big contract sign, um, amongst other things, Jewel Eriksson, of course, getting his contract, but Kaprizov's the one that everyone's curious about, as we're uh, at the time of recording on Wednesday, October 13th, we're uh, two days away and an hour, essentially, or so, from uh, opening night puck drop in Anaheim for the Wild. Kirill Kaprizov, uh, $9 million per year over five years, was this an overpay by the team or are they investing in a guy that's going to be a superstar talent? I don't think it was an overpay. Now, let me also preface that and say, I never in a million years thought that they would pay him this much on a five-year <laughs> deal. Like you can find the receipts in my text messages, my friends freaking out when they were saying he's going to sign in the KHL. I'm like, this guy is not going to get anything. Like I never thought he'd get more than eight on, on like four years or less, so like nine. That's, that's impressive. And Paul Theofanis is, I, <laughs> 
He did it. He's, he's an agent. So let's just yeah. put it that way. <laughs> put it mildly. I mean, he gets his clients money um, and he makes sure that he cuts a pretty nice commission check for himself. So, um, but I, I, I mean, it is what it is, right? I mean, what, what you have to get the guy signed. He didn't have much leverage, but I, I'm fine with it. You pay a star player what a star player's worth. Uh, I mean, is he, I think he's getting paid as like a top 15 winger in the league right now. Is he that? Probably not yet, but and who knows? I mean, he's probably right around that 15 to 20 range in terms of wingers in, in my opinion, but I mean, who knows, but this is a franchise that's been starved for that. Like you have not had that since Marion Gabrick. And in my opinion, I mean, he's totally different than Gabrick. I think he's a better player than, than Gabby was. I mean, a little he, more well-rounded. I would Yeah. That's what I was just yeah. going to say. I mean, he's, it's not like Kirill's great in the defensive zone, but better than Gabby was. Um, and Gabby played for Jock Lemaire. So he, 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 he had the option to play really hard defense if he wanted and he just didn't. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's the best player you have in franchise history and we didn't pay him. Uh, we didn't pay him. What is it? What would it be? Six figures. Is that how it works? Yeah. Six, seven, well, eight. What was it? Once you get over 10 million, what's 10, eight figures, right? Yeah. Two, a yeah. lot of money. Let's just put it yes. that way. Let's, let's just put it that way. But like <laughs> nobody who's a carry price was the first player to make over $10 million to like win a playoff series. So we've got that going for us that, you know, we're not paying somebody over $10 million. So maybe we'll win a playoff series finally too. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. I just got into fantasy hockey for the first time this year. I put, oh, Carey, Price, I put Carey Price as the fourth goaltender. I know he's on the IR, but I'm banking on scooping him up now to see if he returns to form when he comes back. But uh, yeah, a lot of moolah, although I don't think it's as painful. It's worked out okay for Montreal. I think uh, Sergei Bobrovsky down in Florida would have. Other- oh man, that's a, oh, it's a tough one. I just don't understand that. Like just to touch on that route, shoot. Yeah. Like why would you pay a guy $10 million and then turn around a month later and draft Spencer Knight? Like, what are you thinking? Like Spencer Knight's also on my fantasy squad. If you're curious, that's, that's, but, that's, uh, a, that's a good combo. Him, him, right him, him and Freddie Anderson are kind of in my mix. Cause I'm kind of thinking, I think he'll have a bounce back here in Carolina, but yeah, Spencer Knight, uh, as long as he's not kicking off goalposts. Oh man. Right. Oh man. <laughs> I still get it from my buddies. When we were calling that game for KVSC, I was <laughs> laying into Spencer. Knight. <laughs> it was really, like, I, I just got one of my buddies that I work with at, a, at an old job. He's like, He's like, as long as you don't get as pissed off at me as you did Spencer Knight when he kicked off those goalposts. <laughs> and I was like, you were listening to that game? Like, what? And he goes, he goes, yeah, I listened to all your games. I was like, well, thank you, but I didn't know that. <laughs> he goes, yeah, you were pretty mad. I was like, well, I think about it. I kind of was. You're like, yeah, you're a great friend for listening, but this is a very ill-timed opportunity for me right now. Yeah, right, right. I, I think you and Go Huskies Woo would have fun together cracking a cold one. I really honestly do. Oh, yeah. uh, speaking of cracking things uh, off in uh, in the Minnesota Wild world, the opening night roster included a name uh, that we maybe didn't really expect. And, of course, I think the Matt Boldy situation kind of accelerated this. But uh, Brandon Duheim, uh, he's going to get the call here for Minnesota to start. Um I think he's going to be in the lineup. And if he's not, you know, it's probably Victor Rass that's going to be out. I imagine Rem Pitlick maybe gets a look. My question to you is this uh, Who's going to be the second line center for the Minnesota Wild? Uh, sorry, Ty. Okay. Well, what, what would you determine their second line? Because so I would say first line is Kaprizov, Eric's neck, and Zuccarello. Yeah. I'd say beyond agreed. that, you've got Kevin Fiala on the right hand side. Um, okay. And then maybe Victor Rask, uh, Sturm, Goudreau. I suppose you can throw Hartman in there, although Hartman to me is not a center. And then maybe Nick Bukestad to kind of round out that group. So, because because I see some people label like the Felino Hartman Greenway line as a second line, and th- to me that's a third line. I mean, yeah. Kevin Kevin Fiala is a second. Line I guess I I, I, sh- I should put it this way: if you were looking at players who can play center for the Minnesota Wild, and you said Eriksenak was the best center you had, who comes mm-hmm. after Eriksenak? Victor Rask, unfortunately, <laughs> like it's not. I, I don't know. Like it, honestly, it might be Victor Rask. Like it, they're so bad down the middle. I mean, who's our like Bukestad? I, he's good, but like I wouldn't. Like, it's sad that Victor Rask is like my second most trusted top six center option. You know, yeah. Like I just don't see Bukestad as a guy that can play in your, you know, top six yeah. minutes. I don't really think Victor Rask is either. But like it's, oh, it's so bad. It's. No, I, so I get bad. you. We've thrown that question out a couple of times and I'm not quite sure, but I think we're going to find and I out. Love, I days. love Victor. I, I I love Victor for the meme purposes of it. I've got a buddy <laughs> that hates Victor Rask and um, I'm going to surprise him for Christmas this year with the Victor Rask. <laughs> like it says like Victor Victor F and Rask on the front of the jersey or on the front of the t-shirt. And I'm, it's just a picture of Rask's head and I'm like, I'm getting him that for Christmas. 100%. <laughs> he hates Victor Rask. So 
you know what? I like Rask, but he, he does his job, and I think that Dean Evans, and I think that that group, of, obviously they see him every day a lot more than we ever could on the ice at Trier Rink mm-hmm. and whatnot, and they see something in him that I think that for the last year of his contract, I think that, you know, he's there, and I think you could do a lot worse, all things considered, honestly. Well, you know, I mean, if Victor Rask were on a, on a million-dollar contract, would we ever complain about him? Yeah, exactly. Now, he's making $4 million a year, and that's not his fault that he got yeah. overpaid. So, well, I, I know, so, I know, I know, I know certain people who would complain about it regardless, but you know, hashtag, yeah. bl- hashtag blow it up. But anyway, um, you know who you are. Anyway, uh, my my final thing here I, w- I want to throw out before I ask you my last question is uh, season expectations. Where do the Minnesota Wild finish in the Central? Well, Central's confusing because it's Colorado, and then it's like, I don't know. Like, after that, like it could really be anybody to like, put it in perspective. We had Alex Micheletti on, of course, St. Cloud State alum, son of Pat Micheletti. Uh, I have Minnesota in second, Nick has them in third, and uh, Alex has them back in fourth. So, what are your thoughts? I, I don't think they missed the playoffs. I mean, so like, I think they're, I don't think they're a wild card team. Let me put it that way. So, like, I don't think that I think they're in the top three. Okay. I don't think they're going to be one because I think that's Colorado. So, two or three. I, I mean, trying to even all think of who's all in the central now because of everything being weird last year, but like, I don't think Chicago. Like Chicago could flirt with a wild card spot. I think Dallas could flirt with a wild card spot. St. Louis, St. Louis is a team that I think if Jordan Bennington can play decent for them, like yeah. and, and again consistently, I think he's they're, they're a team that could be in that two or three discussion. Um, Nashville, I think is Nashville. Yeah, I just, there's so many bad contracts on that yeah. team. Yeah, Winnipeg is kind of. Yeah. Winnipeg. That's the other. That, yeah. That's who I'm who I'm thinking of. I think it's Minnesota and Winnipeg as the as the two and three. Um, I don't really. I don't care the order. Um, I guess I want the wild to be two. So they get home ice in the playoffs against them. But yeah. I think, yeah, it's probably Colorado, Winnipeg, Minnesota is your top three. And then I, I think the central gets both wildcard teams again this year. Too. Yeah. I guess on the prediction game too, uh, for St. Cloud and, and Minnesota this weekend, uh, who, who comes out, uh, is it going to be a split or is it going to be a sweep uh, in one direction or the other? So I'm actually in, a picks poll for the Huskies for this season. Well, for like the NCHC as a whole, I picked the Huskies a sweep. Okay. Um, All right. I'm not like hundred percent confident on that, <laughs> but I did pick the Huskies to split last weekend and I picked them to lose Friday and win convincingly on Saturday. And that's how it played out. So if I am Nostradamus, the Huskies <laughs> will sweep this weekend very unconfidently. I like that. (laughs) I'd like to, I'd like to hear Brett Larson say that phrase. We won very unconfidently today that way. Um, (laughs) Speaking of unconfidence, my final question for you, Blake, this is kind of a fun one that I I threw at the bottom. I, we saw a goal last night from the Seattle Kraken where essentially it was a kick into the net, so to speak, a little flexing of the foot. Um, And speaking of the golden Gophers, they actually scored a goal a couple of years ago where it was kicked from the slot and it was a soccer saw goal that was in the air, but because of the way the camera was angled, you couldn't see it on the replay. Um, so it wasn't reviewable. My question is this, Blake, as an objective hockey guy, if you could change one rule in hockey, what would it be and why? I, oh, this is a good one. Okay. Um, for, for, for the longest time for me, it was actually the rule that was uh, that you had to have your foot on the ice for offside and they just changed that. Yeah. So. Yep. I was going to say that that was a good one. Um, I can think of like some funny ones. Like I'd love for a headbutt to count as a goal. Like <laughs> that's, shot. That, that's how I was, I was like, I know yeah. what happened at some point. I couldn't remember who it was. Um, yeah. If we're going like youth hockey, uh, youth hockey, you know that they, you can't ice the puck anymore on the penalty kill. That's yeah. terrible. That's terrible. Uh, I would change that. And in the NHL, uh, I'd like get rid of the trapezoid. Okay. All right. Let the goalies play the puck. I would <laughs> like you want, if you want scoring, which obviously the league does. Yeah. Why do you not want to watch goaltenders mess up and go 30 feet yeah. out of the crease? To play like the I said, I was watching the 07 final five game. The amount of times both goaltenders, Philippe Lamoureux and uh, whoever it uh, was on the other side, I can't remember who was in net for Minnesota that night. Uh, they each must have probably played the puck 20 times. Yeah, you know, it's just like it's, into the corner, like legitimate, like they were breaking the puck out to their defensemen or to their wingers. I mean, it was you know Marty Brodeur esque all the way through. It's way more fun. It's, I mean, it it really is. Like I don't see I like the trapezoid was put in to like neuter Brodeur, and like that was like it. <laughs> yeah. Like what else was the point of the trapezoid? Like I I see no benefit to it. I I really don't get it. So yeah. get rid of the trapezoid. Yeah, I. I got to be honest, I am I am of the mind and it will never happen. It will never happen in hockey for a lo- for as long as we live as but my thought is as long as you're not like kicking wildly, 
I think he should be able to kick the puck in. I really do. I mean, <sighs> you know, it's I, tough because it is so hard to score. And I mean, but I understand why it's there. Same with high sticking. I mean, I, I always think like, as long as you're not waving your stick wildly and injuring people, like if, you yeah. can, if, if there's a puck that's, you know, eight feet in the air and you can reach your stick up and redirect it into the net. Like that's, that's such a skill you know, play. I, I kind of agree with like the high sticking. Yeah. I think high sticking is annoying. I mean, okay, like on a goal. Um, yeah. But then like, what if you high stick it and then it misses the net and rolls into the corner, then is it still high sticking? Right. Or what do you do if you have a puck that's seven feet in the air and you swing and you miss and you smoke somebody, Thomas Voku and Keith Ballard style into the, into the face. Yeah. Right, right into the mouth. That would hurt. <laughs> yeah. That would probably hurt a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, th- I think high sticking is more a thing to protect players, I think, than it is to, like, take away the skill aspect of it. Like, yeah. I just don't – you just don't want guys' sticks up in the air. But I would say – well, we clearly... I, I guess I did say you should just be able to headbutt the puck. So, like, obviously I'm in support yeah. of, like, kicking, I think, the puck in too. So, I, yeah, but it's not soccer. Go play soccer. Actually, I, I think if I had one, now that I just thought of it, I think you should be able to hand pass the puck in every zone. That's – that – I don't mind that. You know what I mean? Like, like if, like if you get knocked down in the corner in the offense and you want to, obviously you can't close your hand on it, but if you swat the puck up the yeah. wall to your defenseman. I'd yeah. Be, I would I'd say okay as long that. as it's not a carry or anything like that. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I actually don't mind that. Yeah. If you get dumped from behind and like the puck is yeah. underneath you and you just slap it away. I mean, yeah. I don't mind that. Yeah. Technically you can do it in this D zone regardless, because if it, even if it gets blown down, the play just comes back into your zone. I, I, mean, I didn't like know. I didn't know in, in youth hockey that you couldn't <laughs> play the puck with your hand in the D zone. And uh, I saw, so I freaked out on a ref. I was probably like weeks, something like that. I freaked out on a ref and I was like, he played it with his hand. It was a hand pass. Cause like they went down and like scored off of it. Yeah. And uh, the ref came up to me. He knew my dad, I guess, which I didn't know. So he came up to me and my dad after the game was like, just so you, your kid knows you can hand pass the defensive zone. I was like, what? <laughs> no idea. You're kidding. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, I think I think we have to do that and then bring back uh, um, the t- the two line passing rule. Clearly, I mean, yes, right. Slow down the game. Slow yeah, it down. The bring fly back. zone NHL is definitely a problem. I mean, it's, yep. yeah, yeah. In fact, and we should also <laughs> we should also shrink the nets and make the goalie pads bigger while we're at it. I mean, yes, make it harder to score. Yeah, exactly. More one to nothing hockey games. Exactly. Nobody should be. If you're a twenty goal scorer in the NHL with the new regulations, you are the elite of the elite. I mean, every game should be one to nothing. I mean, I don't understand. I've got another one. Three on three overtime until somebody wins. Yes. Yes. I hate shootouts or just end in a tie. One of the two. Three on three until someone wins or end in a tie. I hate the idea that they say in the NHL that the reason they don't go beyond, even if you extend the three on three to 10 minutes instead of five, I think you'd be very rare to get to a shootout. But they say it's a player safety liability thing in terms of the overtime going so long. Man, if you can't solve it in three on three within, let's be outrageous and say the span of a normal hockey period, 20 minutes. Yeah. Like just, just call it something wrong. Just call yeah. it a tie at that point. Well, that's like, like I, I think if I mean I'm in favor of maybe even yeah, not having overtime and just have the game end in a tie. Because like then if you have an offensive zone draw with like 30 seconds, do you pull the goalie in a tie game because you need you you want to get the win? Like, I yeah, don't know. Just exactly. it adds more to it. Like yeah. don't you know, like do coaches play for ties then or would they yeah or I'd get rid of the extra point. That's terrible. I can't stand that. Yeah, the it's extra almost, point for almost as almost as bad as the you know uh, on international play, having a championship gold medal game get decided. That's shootout. terrible. Oh, gross. I mean, it worked for us, but it's terrible. Yeah. You're talking uh, 2018 women's hockey. Yeah. 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 One well, of that the, there oh, and in, in Russia too, for the Olympics, Russia right? for the Olympics, 2017, 14, 14 for the Olympics, and then 2017 for the world juniors, Troy Terry, yeah. of course, and Bob yeah. Lutzko was head coach up there too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we just, uh, if anything, I think the Wild just need to make the playoffs and win a game. Yeah. The Huskies when, just need to play well. So yeah, yep. That's that's all I ask because just the Huskies Easy. to play well and win a national championship. It's not that's not a tall task. Come on, Brett. Yeah. I mean, figure it yeah. out. That's easy. <laughs> the easy, easy enough. And for the wild, just go win a Stanley Cup or yeah. just win one one playoff series. How yeah. And if you're the Vikings, my God, just score something. <laughs> yeah, just score some points. Score a touch on the second half. I'm a big Vikings fan too. We don't yeah, need to get into that. We last week, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I was. Oh boy, I said a lot of unsavory words when we lost <laughs> or when we were losing, and yeah. uh, I couldn't. I couldn't look at that kick go through. It was. I, I covered. <laughs> I pulled my shirt, jersey up, covered my eyes, and I just let the crowd tell me what happened. Because I, I was there for the Blair Walsh miss against the Seahawks. Oh. I was at that game. So, 
I mean, like Vikings fans are tortured enough with kicking and like I had to be in person for that in negative 30 degree weather. So I just kicking is stupid. Get rid of kicks yeah, in football. Too, yeah. Probably. Kicking is uh, unless you're Pat McAfee, uh, kicking has not been uh, the, the Viking way for quite some time. Hashtag no. Blair Walsh. But uh, speaking of kicking it, we're going to kick it on over to uh, the end of the show here, of course, and anticipating what we've got going ahead. Of course, you didn't hear an intro and outro in today's show because that's because my co-host, Mr. Nick Maxson is uh, off doing the thing. So um, and not the thing that we had suggested in the beginning. He's off working and doing some great things for Huskies hockey. And of course, you can find him this weekend as we're going to be covering some uh some men's hockey women's hockey of course is back in action as well and then for us we're going to have episode number 83 on sunday for uh um blake uh appreciate having you here uh yeah i hope, I hope you had fun it was nice I catching did. up with you so i did yeah it was good it was good to talk for like that like i said we were on for like an hour before this we yeah. went for almost like 45 minutes to an hour here so it was a lot of fun i had a lot of fun i know you tried to get me on a, a few weeks back and Glad the schedule was able to work out this time. Well, it almost wasn't able to work out this time. We <laughs> yeah. had to reschedule this one too, but I'm glad we were finally able to get it to work. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks Nick Maxson again for that one, but uh, nonetheless, uh, doing some great things. Um, Blake, we appreciate it. You know, for Blake Tyson, I'm Noah Grant, and we will see you soon in the day.